and welcome to this episode of Outside the Box Score, where we bring you new and interesting perspectives about the world of sports. I am your host, Jonathan Michael, and as always, I will be joined by my co-host, the marvelous Joey Thompson, in just a few minutes. But before we get started, I want to mention this podcast is brought to you in part by Rakuten. Rakuten is a cash back program. You're getting cash back for all the purchases that you normally make. You don't have to change any of your habits. You don't have to change any of the stores that you shop at as they have thousands of partners. You simply sign up through our link listed in the description of this podcast. You'll receive a special offer, some free money to get started. And uh, you're going to get paid for the purchases that you make using their program. It's as easy as one, two, three. They highlight the steps for you there. It's a great program to become a part of. Everyone's doing a lot of online shopping with the pandemic, trying to stay home, trying to stay safe. We'll go ahead and visit their website. You don't have to change a thing and how you buy and how you purchase in the places that you go. You just make an account with them and you get started. Want to mention also to follow along with us on Twitter at JM. OTB pod at MT OTB pod, where we'd love to connect with you and uh, share our thoughts and, and have a dialogue with you throughout the week. And with that, let's get into the show. Let's kick off our first quarter and talk about a surprise development in NFL free agency. A lot of people were Shocked, in awe, not Marv, but many people watching the New England Patriots go on a spending spree in free agency. Talking about, oh, Belichick is trying to overcompensate for Brady winning the Super Bowl. And he's jealous and this is not like the Patriots. How can this be? Uh, I get it. The Patriots don't often spend a lot in free agency. But they do often get players from other teams. It's not a bunch of guys at once like they did this time, but they go get B, C plus, B plus players from other teams. Darrell Revis came from the Jets. Stephon Gilmore came from the Bills. They mostly steal him from teams in their own division. Randy Moss came from another NFL team. All their significant contributors, for the most part, other than Gronk and Tom Brady, they do a great job scouting the league better than they do scouting college often. A lot of their first and second round picks don't work out well. But also, this is a rebranding, once again, of the Patriot way. You don't rebrand a company, rebrand a franchise in one move. What do we tell you? They're rebranding the franchise by signing Cam Newton. You can have fun here. You can have a personality here. You can be an established veteran in your career here. So what did they go ahead and do? They went and doubled down on that message. They went and signed Jonu Smith. They went and signed Hunter Henry. They got the tight ends. They said, hey, we can't really draft tight ends. We're going to sign them. They upgraded the perimeter, the receivers. They added pieces all around their team. They said, hey, you can be a veteran, you can be established, you can have a personality, you can have a DNA before you arrived in New England to 
become a part of the Patriot way. But guess what? All these guys bought in to the Patriot way because they said, hey, we'll go sign there. We want to play there. And for those that say Belichick is chasing, that he's spending money that he normally wouldn't, they put out fluff numbers all over the media saying that they spend something like $230, million, I got news for you, NFL fans. It's a great way to sell headlines to get clicks. Uh, about $100 million of it is guaranteed over the next two years, maybe 150 You can take any number that they give you in the media and you can cut it directly in half because none of this money is guaranteed. This isn't the NBA. This isn't the MLB. Contracts require you to be on the team and they require you to meet certain performance criteria. So Belichick didn't go on some wild spending spree. He had some salary cap and he went out and used it to further advance the rebranding and the evolution of the Patriot way. It is now time to bring in the marvelous Joey Thompson. How you doing today, Marv? Hey, what's up, Jonathan? I'm doing great, man. Just getting back from this vacation. Was out west, you know, the best coast, as they say. Loving California and Las Vegas. You know, placed a few little bets here and there. Had uh, I left 50-50, but it was fun, man. Just enjoying watching sports, you know. March Madness is going on. Having a great time. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I know you're going to end up better than 50-50 here shortly because in our third quarter, of course, we have the marvelous, the money-making marvelous Joey Thompson coming back. He's going to give you some picks. I know your bracket's busted already, so he's going to give you some picks. Uh, who might win this tournament, what he's seeing. He put that bet down while he was out there, and, and uh, he's ready to give it to you in a few minutes. But before we get to that, uh, Marv, you said that the Patriots, I, I said, and, and we talked about that the Patriots were going to, well, not the Patriots, but that teams around the league, they were going to have an opportunity to go from this kind of worst to first scenario or not making the playoffs. We always have four of those every year, but we might be looking at more like six or seven now because of a couple of things, the salary cap and because of the extra wild card going on. And, and you said the Patriots. You said that the Patriots were one of these teams that could turn it around seven and nine, make the playoffs because they had a bunch of cap space. They were one of those teams that are benefiting from positioning themselves and not over leveraging. Now, after seeing the Patriots moves, they made a lot of them. Do you still feel the same way? Are you liking what they did? Or do you feel like a lot of the rest of the media that they went outside of their character and just kind of spend money to spend money? You know, I really loved what the Patriots did this offseason to start off the free agency market. They went out and they took care of needs. They've had a lot of glaring holes after a lot of their guys opted out last year. Uh, they had a lot of injuries. And this year they went out and plugged those holes in. They went out and got the two best tight ends, which I was shocked that they paid both Hunter Henry and John o. Smith top money. Then they went out and got a top linebacker, Judon, from Baltimore. He's a really good edge rusher. Also, what really didn't shock me was when well what really shocked me was when the Dolphins cut their number one prized free agent Kyle Van Noy who came from the Patriots and the Patriots got him right back in New England for an even cheaper deal which was excellent that's the Patriot way so there was deals that the Patriots did where they may have overpaid a little bit and then there was deals where we were like wow how did they do that 
And I was just in awe seeing all the moves the Patriots were making. They also went out and got some receivers. Uh, they also filled some holes on the offensive line, on the defensive line, secondary. They went out and paid Jalen Mills from Philadelphia. I mean, the list goes on. They went out and they just had a, a fury of um, signings on the first two days of free agency, which is amazing. Everyone's like, oh, well, this is not what the Patriots do. Well, actually, as you mentioned, in the past, Patriots have had most success when they've been able to get these guys in free agency to come out. They, they sell them on the Patriot way, and they come on in, and let's say they're like a B-level kind of guy. They're not an elite guy. The Patriots find ways to maximize each and every one of their players' abilities. So let's say if you're like a borderline Pro Bowl player, you're you're barely on the edge of becoming a Pro Bowl player, but you're not. Patriots sign you, and they turn you into a Pro Bowl player, as we've seen with guys like Julian Edelman. Uh, even when they had Wes Walker, they got him from the Dolphins years ago, and he came to the Patriots and became a, a household name. I mean, this guy was playing special teams for the Dolphins, and then he became a household name top receiver of Tom Brady when he was on the Patriots. That's what the Patriots do. Everyone's like, well, this is not the Patriots. Yes, it is. I've, I've seen this already in the past, and this could turn out to be a quick turnaround for the Patriots, regardless of who their quarterback is, because I feel they're going back to two tight end set, uh, because they went ahead and signed two number one tight ends set, just one, and they're both receiving tight ends, and they're both decent at blocking. So I really like what they did, and I could see them finishing anywhere from 9 to 10 wins if Cam Newton is a lot healthier than he was last year, or if they draft a guy, let's say like a Mac Jones, and he comes in and starts right off the bat, I feel they're going to be very successful this year. And, and as everyone knows, it's well documented. I'm not a Patriots fan, but I was really excited for what they were doing during the free agency period that opened up last week. Yeah, they built around what they have. They committed to Cam Newton. A lot of people, including Patriots fans, not a big fan of that. And I can see where you have a problem with bringing back Cam. Dude looked like he couldn't throw past 10 yards. But with that in mind, what's the best thing for a guy with a limited arm, limited ability passing at this point in his career? couple tight ends, guys who are close to the football, close to the quarterback. They're able to get open and also block for that running game because a lot of it's going to be built around running game. Now, I think the Patriots, as you just said and, and we discussed in the last show, they need to draft a quarterback if they're able, maybe trade up for one, or if somebody falls in their lap, that would be nice. They're going to be in the mid, mid-range, mid probably around 20 there as they were 7-9 and nine and just barely missed the playoffs. If they can get one, that might be nice. Mac Jones might be a good fit, although I still think that's overdrafting him. I think he's a second-round quarterback. But uh, they need to get a, a quarterback in-house. But with Cam there now, I have to say, he was learning a new system. He had COVID, uh, fatigue, mental clarity being an issue for some people. Now, you know, he's a young, healthy guy uh, compared to normal standards of the world, but it he is required a lot more than the average human being here on earth to play the quarterback position for the New England Patriots. So I think we got to give him a little bit of a pass for that, even though that he struggled. And 
they can take guys to the Pro Bowl level, so we'll see what they can do with some uh, fringe guys that they sign, like Nelson Aguilar on the edge at receiver. The receivers I wasn't really impressed with, to be honest, but they were an upgrade from last year, as you said, Marv, just a lot better. And get Julian Edelman back in the slot, and the defense is already solid. So they they brought back uh, David Andrews, I think, on the line. He was supposed to be leaving. He was the guy that they had already, so they brought him back. And they just, this looks like a team that can compete in the AFCs. Marv, my concern, though, all cards on the table here. Uh, I still don't like the Patriots in the AFC East because the Bills are so good, because the Dolphins are up and coming. Do you think that the Belichick factor puts the Patriots over a Dolphins or over even a Buffalo? I believe so. At the end of the day, coaching is huge in the NFL. Um, We see it every day on every game basis in every sport. If you get out coached, then you're probably going to lose the game, uh, as we've seen in the past. Uh, We've seen it right now in March Madness. There's teams that are getting out coached, and Bill Belichick is one of the greatest head coaches in NFL history, and he knows how to find your weakness and attack it and even if his team is less talented he'll find ways to beat you so I, I would say Belichick is a big factor and he'll make a big difference when it comes to like that last second decision that you have to make it's like that tough decision you have to make to win the game Do you kick it or you go for it and Belichick normally always has the answer for that and that's the difference between winning and losing yeah what happened was they even the playing field. So seven and nine can easily become nine and seven. But I do have my reservations, and this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I'm giving Cam the benefit of the doubt, but my eyes don't lie. And I don't think it was COVID that said he can't throw the ball more than 10 yards. I think his body's just completely broken down. I was actually listening to uh, a nutritional podcast show the other day a guy I really respect and basically was talking about, and I've heard this, you hear this about every diet. The Atkins diet, the keto diet, whatever whatever diet it is, it may be great for a while, but as they say, too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. And Cam is vegan, and I'm, I'm not criticizing vegans, but it is too much to ask your body to perform at that level, not giving yourself the proper chain amino acid proteins. And this is this is nutritional experts, not me speaking. I do study, I do understand a lot of it, but... His body basically just can't take it is what they theorize, and especially NFL nutritionists. I've read multiple articles on this as well. He can't handle it. And I know he's played a physical style of football, and he's taken a beating and all those cliches that we talk about football players. But I don't think he has anything left. And maybe they get that quarterback. That's why I was saying earlier that's so important. And they plug him in with this this group because I think this group actually is the best team in the AFC East with a quarterback. But it's tough to beat Josh Allen because he's looking like a top five quarterback right now. When you have that disparity at that most important position, you have a serious problem. And I don't think Belichick, Josh McDaniels, whoever you have, I don't think it matters. You are just way outmanned. And and uh, McDermott's no slouch. Neither is Flores. So those guys in Miami and Buffalo, respectively, they're going to be tough. But the Patriots, Marv was spot on calling them, making the turnaround this year. I really like them to finish 9-7 and seven or even 10-6. and six. And with that, let's shift into our 
second quarter and discuss, has the circus really come to town in Chicago? Throughout the history of our show, nobody has been more critical of Ryan Pace than me. So while many are saying Chicago is now a circus, all is lost, this is a disaster, they went after Russell Wilson and failed, this team is going to be horrible. Whoa, 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 hold on a second. Let's, let's recap the facts here. And look at what really happened, not on the memes and not on the cheap jokes on the internet that I'll admit are funny. The Bears offered three first-round picks, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, their two best, arguably their two best defensive players, three first-round picks for Russell Wilson. And the Seahawks didn't say that's not enough. They said, no, we're not interested in trading him. You can give us whatever you want. And they offered a King's ransom for him. We're not interested in trading him. So are we supposed to fault the Bears for that? Are we supposed to blame Ryan Pace for that? Uh, If somebody's not willing to make a deal, you can't make a deal. If you want to make jokes about that, you want to criticize them for going all in on Russell Wilson, that doesn't make sense to me, but, but okay, go ahead. And then the ultimate punchline, they get Andy Dalton instead of Russell Wilson. Again, really funny meme to make, really funny joke. But uh, do you think Andy Dalton is an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky that Matt Nagy won 60% of his games with as a coach? Uh, I do. If you could see me right now, you'd see my hand raised through the ceiling. He certainly is a better quarterback. Marvin and I have talked about it on the show. Now, were there moments and times that Andy Dalton really struggled? Yeah, we saw the Thanksgiving game. He really struggled against the fourth best defense in the NFL against the Washington football team, but he also had four games in Dallas where he had a better than 100 passer rating. He had a 138 passer rating in a singular game. Uh, That's not too far from perfect, folks. 150s is perfect. Dude can play sometimes. I've been critical of Andy Dalton, but he's an upgrade at the position. Reminds me of an Alex Smith. Gives the Chicago Bears time to find their quarterback of the future. And as much as we think about Dallas as having all these weapons, they had the 27th offensive line. Fat Zeke not doing anything anymore. C.D. Lamb hurt on and off. Blake Jarwin hurt on and off at tight end. Amari Cooper, six years, 100 million. Meh, he's pretty good, but not a lot of help there. I think I could make an argument that I know Chicago's offensive line's better. They have some budding stars on offense. They're getting Tariq Cohen back. And Allen Robinson, you need touch and you need timing, two things that Trubisky did not have. Allen Robinson, to me, is as good as Amari Cooper. He's at least in the same class. So before we go and bury these Chicago Bears, which I myself have been prone to do, I look at this offseason and I don't really see a circus. I see a team that is actually improved from an 8-8 eight and eight playoff season with a full draft left to go. Marv, I look at these Chicago Bears and I say, you know what? I don't think I'm wrong on Ryan Pace thus far. 
but I see a little bit of change in course direction, a guy who kind of knows what he's doing now, and he's taking a lot of unfair heat in the media because it's funny and because it's easy. Uh, am I being too much of a making counterpoints on myself here? Am I trying to see both sides too clearly, or 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 do you think I'm on here? No, you're on to something, and I'm one of the – I've always poked fun as the Bears as well, uh, jokingly, but – I like this move, and I and I took a look at it, and I see how bad Trubisky was because I've I've paid close attention to the Bears over the past few years, as we you know our friendship has grown over the years. But I always watch the Bears from time to time, trying to see what Trubisky is all about, and he's just like my quarterback for the Denver Broncos, just like Drew Lock, a raw, strong-armed, athletic guy who just can't complete the easy pass. And just with that alone, the Bears have made a big improvement with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton can make all the throws an NFL quarterback is required to. His ball placement is so huge. It's so much better than Trubisky. If you watch Trubisky, his ball placement is all over the place. He sets his receivers up basically for failure at times he'll throw the ball too high or too low or it just doesn't get there it's a short pass that hits the ground before it gets to the receiver's hands well Andy Dalton you won't have that issue he's a guy who works on his timing his footwork his arm strength is not the greatest but I mean he is called the red rifle for a reason Uh, he's pretty accurate and I just like the move all together for the Bears I think this is a step in the right direction and he's going to be a really good, how I say, bridge quarterback for the next quarterback that's going to end up taking over for the Chicago Bears. He's also going to be a great mentor because you can put him in a mentor role while he's starting, and you could draft a guy. Don't have to be a first-round pick. could be second or third or even a fourth-round guy and let him learn from Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's not super old. You gave him a one-year, $10 million deal, so... There's no long-term commitment to Andy Dalton. So I really like what the Bears are doing here. As you mentioned, they've, they're going to show a lot of improvement with this move. Uh, now that they have a first-round pick this year, so we'll see if they add to their offensive repertoire and add to the receivers they have. They already have A-Rob on one side, Mooney on the other. And Mooney was very good from the slot. So if the Bears want to continue maximizing Mooney, I think they should go and draft an, uh, another receiver to put on the outside, and that would make their offense really good. Plus, they have Komet. As we've seen in the past, Andy Dalton loves to throw to the tight end, and Komet is a really good pass catcher. A big-bodied tight end in the red zone, that equals success, especially when you have a quarterback like Andy Dalton who can get him the ball in the red zone with precision. So, just to wrap this up, I really love the move. Uh, Bears fans, just hold your head up. I understand you guys were waiting for Russell Wilson, but when the other team says no, there's nothing else you could do. And I really liked how the Bears recovered from losing out on their plan A and jumped on their plan B and executed it to perfection. Now let's see how they do for the rest of the offseason to make their team even better than what it was this past season. I see this football team on paper this is a nine and seven football team. Now, my one reservation, my one concern 
is that the morale, especially on the defensive end of the football, well, you hear that the reports get out. Khalil Mack, Keem Hicks offered for trade. They're probably not too happy about it. Then Eddie Jackson was upset on Twitter about the release of Kyle Fuller, which I thought was not the best look for their defense. He was a leader and a key contributor. They asked him to restructure. He said no, so they said, okay, bye-bye. I get it. It's a cap casualty, but it's tough, and there's a lot of uh, disappointment and a lot of angst in Chicago. But, man, I keep going back to Matt Nagy was – on some point in the staff, I, I'm not sure if he was the coordinator at the time, but he was with the Chiefs when Alex Smith was playing at an MVP level. Remember, we were talking about Alex Smith MVP a couple years before Patrick Mahomes came onto the scene. And Mitch Trubisky, you're being far too cold, Marv, to your, your buddy Drew Locke. I mean, Mitch Trubisky is basically Tim Tebow without the kneeling and the praying and stuff. I mean... He was athletic. I'll give him that much. He was athletic. And we were a little bit too hard on him because he was the number two overall pick. Not his fault. Should have been a second-round pick or a late first like Tim Tebow. But the dude was erratic and entirely inaccurate, and the Bears just wouldn't give it up. They wouldn't just go with what the film said. This dude has no hope. He didn't. He never had any hope. So if Matt Nagy, this is my sticking point, my final point. If Matt Nagy can win over 60% of his games with Trubisky, as his quarterback, boy, I really like what he can do with Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton was playing with Mike McCarthy's outdated offense along with that meh talent in Dallas. And he also played in Cincinnati, which is uh, just a really bad franchise with no talent to speak of in terms of offensive coordinators. You ever hear of an offensive coordinator go come out of Cincinnati to go on to be a head coach? Uh-uh. I mean, that doesn't happen. So it's sometimes in life it's about fit. So I don't love Andy Dalton, but I think the fit here between Matt Nagy, Andy Dalton, Dalton understanding the offense, being a pro's pro and not turning the ball over, you could see some success in Chicago. So while they didn't get what they were hoping for, it is a step in the right direction, as you said, Marv. And with that, let us shift to our third quarter. As promised, it is now time to bring back Money Making Marv. He made you some money in the NFL season. We like to pick against the spreads here, give you five games a week. But we're going to focus on some college basketball here, go outside the box a little bit. We know your bracket's busted. Oklahoma State lost. I know a lot of people had them. They liked them as, as an underdog to go to the Final Four. Illinois, number one seed bounce. A lot of people had Ohio State. Your bracket's busted. I mean, by day two... There was, I saw on Yahoo and ESPN, there were zero perfect brackets left. They usually last far longer than that. And um, we're going to look at the tournament. Who's left? There's 16 teams. And Marv is going to give you his pick to win it all. He's going to give you a value bet. Everybody has different odds. Marv's going to give you good value here. So drum roll, please. Marv, will you give us your tournament title winner your best bet left all right so my best bet see originally when i was in vegas on vacation last week i took this team at plus four thousand currently that same team sits at plus one thousand seven hundred and i'm sticking to my guns and i'm running with 
Florida State University. Uh, so far in their first two games, they've looked really impressive on the defensive side. They're a really athletic team. And also they lead the NCAA tournament with most dunks. What does that tell me? That they get up and down the court really fast. And they recently shut down a high-scoring Colorado uh, team. Uh, Colorado dropped 96 points on the Hoyas the other night. And then they came out and played FSU and only dropped about 53 points, which is nearly half of what they dropped against the Hoyas. But just to get my point across, FSU clamped Colorado. They could not do anything. The CU Buffs were completely out of sync. They looked lost. Their best player did not show up. And that's because FSU just plays really good defense. They're a well-coached team. And they've been an underdog all year. They came in the tournament ranked number four. And I think that's the best value pick and best team to potentially come out of the East because they're playing in the East. They're playing Michigan next, and it's a really small spread. Michigan is the number one seed, and it's only like a, I would say, minus three spread. So I really like Florida State's uh, chances to win the title. It's a great bet, Marv. You bet, uh, what is it, $100 to win $4,000 at at, uh, at plus 4000 And you bet now, you bet 100 you get 1700 plus your original investment back. It's a great bet. It's a good team with the leaders at the guard position, guys with experience. Uh, but I'm going to tell you the team that I like here. And uh, part of the problem that I have with college basketball and part of the problem I have with brackets first is that Two things. First of all, I feel like I'm in 1999 when I'm watching college basketball. It's a bunch of like just running around being being very uh, like static, very not progressive, just kind of just going through the motions. So it just looks kind of out of date. And the other part that I have or the big problem that I have with it this year is there's no villains. You can tell me you watch it for competition and you like parody. Yeah, whatever. Go go to your local high school and watch the games then. I You don't do that. You watch it because it has drama and because it has villains like Duke and Louisville and Kentucky who are all not in the tournament. People love to root against them or they love to root for them with their, the team, but they bring production value and interesting. Um, so not surprisingly, back to my first point about it looking archaic when I'm watching college basketball a lot of the time, I watched Alabama's first game. And the announcers were talking about them using analytics like it was some revolutionary idea, like they just discovered fire as cavemen. Um, Last I checked, three points is worth more than two, and getting two points closer to the basket is easier than getting it further from the basket. So I've always thought this analytics thing in basketball is very simple. You shoot threes and you shoot layups. You don't shoot mid-range. You play aggressive defense. That is exactly what Alabama does on the basketball court. And they're at plus 1,000 right now. That's a really nice bet. They're uh, behind Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Houston. I thought they're a significantly better team than Houston, so I think it's a value there. Better than Michigan. Uh, Baylor and Gonzaga should definitely be your favorites to win the finals, but I think this is a value bet here. Marv, any feedback on Alabama here before we wrap it up? Alabama looked really good against Maryland. Maryland um, is a really well-run basketball school and they dropped about 90 plus points on them like it was nothing so look out now they could be a surprise team i never thought about it that way um 
because I'm not a big fan of the SEC teams outside of Kentucky. But since Kentucky is nowhere to be found, LSU is nowhere to be found, it's all down to Alabama, and they look like they uh, could be a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, I, I'm really largely unfamiliar with their team. SEC, not a big basketball deal, as you say, but it's a wide-open field. I don't know if it's recruiting being wide open in basketball and that there's only five guys that play on the floor, but it's different than football. It's not as easy to stack the talent. And even when you do, because it's one game elimination in a tournament, anybody could win. Uh, before we go on this segment, I want to mention to the audience too, that you and I had a little agreement going on here with uh, Loyola Chicago. They're plus 1400. We thought they were a little bit interesting too, to throw a little extra bonus. You want to maybe throw two down plus 1400 is pretty nice. I mean, Illinois was a far better basketball team, far more talented, far bigger, far more physical. And that coach at Loyola Chicago just outcoached the heck out of the Illinois coach, just made him look like a school child there. The, those guys were amazing. They did make the Final Four a couple years ago. Wouldn't be surprised if they took it all the way this year because I've never seen more parity in a sport. So keep your eyes on Florida State, Alabama, and Loyola Chicago. And with that, let us shift into our fourth quarter. We're going to give you the quick hitters from around the leagues. We have some NFL, NBA news. We're going to start in the NBA. So here we go. Marv, the trade deadline is fast approaching us this week in the NBA. Who are some names that could be moved? Some names I'm really hearing that keep popping up are Victor Oladipo out of Houston. He wants to jump off that sinking ship. Houston's also trying to help him out as well. They recently came off a 20-game losing streak. They finally beat the Toronto Raptors, who are also falling apart. Uh, so I feel that Oladipo is going to be a name that's going to continue to pop up up until the deadline. Uh for some reason, Houston wants premium picks, and teams like the Knicks, the Heat, uh, and another team I saw on the list are are interested, but they're not interested in giving away uh, future capital because they can just get Oladipo in the offseason because he's on his uh, expiring deal. So he's basically going to be a rental. So teams will probably be lowballing and offering maybe second-round picks to get Oladipo services to, for the remainder of the year. Another name I'm hearing that's popping up a lot is Lonzo Ball, similar situation. He's on his out of restricted. He's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Uh, Pelicans look like they're not going anywhere. Uh, Lonzo's probably going to demand a lot of money for his first contract as a free agent. And I highly doubt that the Pelicans are going to be able to match it or want to match it because they're going to be close to the um, – uh, the tax bracket will be become one of those um, luxury tax guys, and they don't want to pay that because their ownership is not trying to pay the luxury tax. So I can see the Pelicans trying to pull a last-second move. There's teams like Chicago, New York, uh, who are really interested in Alonzo, but the Pelicans are, as well, attempting to pull a luxury pick from one of these teams, and that's what's holding up these talks. So those are two names to keep an eye on. Uh, last one is Drummond. Uh, I believe he Drummond's not going to get moved. Instead, he's probably going to get bought out. 
because his contract is uh, also an expiring for $28 million. And someone's going to get lucky and get him as a cheap rental. Uh, but if someone does Lakers. trade from, it'd probably be like a yeah, it'll be like a second round pick, and that that could be it. He could probably go out to the Lakers and help them uh, fortify that backcourt that they'll have uh, with the, you know big big men because I believe they have uh, Harrell as their big man right now, and um, Marcus All who's been not he's been under underwhelming. So I think someone like Drummond would make them the odds-on favorites again to win the championship once they all get fully healthy. Yeah, if he gets bought out and plays for one season, he'd end up with one of the L.A. teams, I'd imagine. But really, uh, I'm not questioning your knowledge and expertise, Marvin. I did read about it too, but what teams are trying to trade for Lonzo Ball? I saw that uh, a headline said Chicago was rejected from trading Lonzo Ball, and I thought, how lucky are, are they that they weren't able to get him? Who would give up? It's like... Lonzo Ball is the Mitch Trubisky of the NBA. A quarterback who can't throw and a guard who can't shoot. They're the same thing. It drives me nuts. Number two overall pick, both of them were. I just can't believe that there's any demand for him. Really good highlighting that um, Oladipo, I was kind of confused there for a second, but it makes sense now that his contract is not um, extended beyond this year. Because when you think of Oladipo, or at least when I do, I think of a premium player, so it should cost premium picks. But you point out that it's the contract, and they can get him later. And there are very few teams that are thinking that they're in it. The Suns, maybe an outsider, the Lakers, the Clippers. As we said, the Nets, it expanded a little bit, but there's still probably six, seven, eight teams that might be able to win the title. The rest of the 22-ish are like, eh, we'll wait and see if we can get him. So you don't want to give up much for him. Second-round pick. Uh, I can't imagine even giving up a first-round pick unless unless you're the Lakers. Maybe if you're the Lakers because your first-round pick is going to be really late, but I don't even think they have any left after they traded for Anthony Davis. They traded them all. I did hear that they shopped Harold too. I don't know if you heard that. They they took offers for him just because people called about him. So there were, you know, insert the LeBron James trades everyone jokes. But uh, I found that really interesting that they were interested in trading him. But it, it, it was – not the case that they went out and shopped him. The Hornets called about him, and they said, okay, we'll listen, see what we can get, because they really wanted some capital, some draft capital, some younger players perhaps in return. He's been balling out, but LeBron got hurt, and now they're no longer interested in even talking, so he'll be staying put. Let's go back to the NFL here, Marv. You like the Patriots and their moves, but uh, free agency was fast and furious for a lot of teams. Can you give us another team that you really liked and the moves that they made. A team I really like uh, is a team that not a lot of people are talking about. They're, they've been doing a lot of these under-the-radar type moves, and that's the Washington football team. I really love that they went out and got Curtis Samuel, and they also added to their quarterback room and got Ryan Fitzpatrick, as we all call him, Fitzmagic. I feel that was a really good move for the Washington football team. They went out and got a, a really good older vet that knows how to play the game. Uh, he throws the belt ball really well. Now the Washington football team looks like they have a track team out there with Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin outside. They also have Sims, the big 6'5 wide receiver from Alabama. And they also have Gibson at running back. They're looking like a really good team now. And Fitz, I think Fitzpatrick can bring bring the heat 
to whoever they decide to draft or bring in for competition, or if it's Taylor Heineke. And Fitzpatrick seems to, like, push players and elevate his teammates. He leads by example. And we saw that in Miami, how whenever he came into the game, how all the players rallied around him and elevated their play and helped win games with Fitzpatrick. And I think that's the same leadership quality that he's going to bring to Washington football team. They won seven games last year. I feel with him as a quarterback, they can maybe win nine games or even more, depending on the growth of their youth that they have and the players they've added this offseason. I really like what they're doing so far. Yeah, the Giants have been really aggressive in free agency as well. With that said, this Washington football team, Dan Schneider aside, is the class of the NFC East right now. With one caveat, I love all the things that you said. As I mentioned earlier in the show, unrelated, uh, but talking about Andy Dalton, they were the number four defense in the NFL. So they're stacked on defense. They have the stability ahead, Coach Ron Rivera. Not really buying the quarterback position, and we know how important that is on the show, Marv. Quarterback position, Fitzmagic is good for a couple games. Then he throws a bunch of picks and everything unravels. (laughs) They're going to have to be aggressive, and they should be, to get a quarterback. They should be aggressive to trade up and get somebody. Because they are a quarterback away. And maybe you sit him behind Fitzpatrick for a couple games, just like Miami did with Tua. He's kind of that placeholder, and that's probably part of their plan. It's got to be because they can't expect to win games with Ryan Fitzpatrick throughout the entire season. And it just doesn't make sense in the DNA. A conservative coach like Ron Rivera rolling with that guy all year. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Taylor Heineke, he was good in the one game. And – Fitzpatrick turns the ball over too much for how good that defense is. Uh, Love what they're doing in Washington, but they really, really, really need to get a quarterback. And then, I mean, Super Bowl, seriously, Super Bowl contention for Washington. I'm not kidding. They they got everything on offense and everything on defense as well besides the quarterback. And last but not least, certainly interesting – Marv, should we read into all the free agent wide receivers passing on the Ravens? Juju Smith-Schuster actually took less money to play with the Steelers. Yes, we should. And the reason being is it's nothing personal against Lamar Jackson. But from what I'm seeing is a lot of these top flight receivers are passing on the Ravens because these guys are wide receivers. What do wide receivers do? They catch the ball. And they're seeing that the Ravens are a run-heavy team, and their best receiver maybe had 600 yards. What receiver that's trying to get paid is going to want to sign up to be a blocking wide receiver for the rest of his career? I don't think anyone. As we saw, Des Bryant got an opportunity with the Ravens, and the second he was able to leave, that guy went running. The guy hadn't played football for two years before that. That should be alarming. And then you see all these other guys, yeah, Lamar's a cool guy. He's friends with a lot of these guys in the NFL, a lot of these receivers. But these guys get paid. And at the end of the day, it's a business, and everyone's trying to get paid. And these wide receivers get paid by making catches, getting touchdowns, making big highlight plays. And on Baltimore, as we've seen, it's not that easy. They have Hollywood Brown, who at times disappears in games, and then there's games where he shows up. So it's very inconsistent, and I'm sure a lot of these guys see that, and they're like, nah, I'm trying to go to a more consistent pass-happy offense where I'm going to get my stats and get paid. 
and I think that's that's the what's causing a lot of these big time receivers to just pass on the Ravens altogether. Yeah, this is the one where everyone gets to insert their preconceived notions. Either Lamar's a victim or, see, I told you, nobody wants to go play with Lamar. But the fact is, as you said, it's the design of the offense. It has nothing really to do with Lamar Jackson other than that he is the reason for the design of the offense. But if I'm a receiver, I want to play with a quarterback who throws more because my favorite part is to catch the ball. I get paid to catch the ball. I don't get extra contract dollars for best blocks. And you just don't want to go play there. So the Ravens are going to have to draft quality wide receivers. Uh, With that said, I put a little trick into my own question uh, for less money. Yes, he did take less money. Again, the media will tell you that he got less money with the Steelers on the contract offer sheet. It was less money. But it may actually end up being more because, as we mentioned in an earlier segment, this is all funny money. So if he plays really well for the Steelers hits all his bonuses, and they keep him on the roster for the entire length of his contract, guess what? He makes a lot of money. Whereas if he goes to Baltimore, he gets a bigger deal for longer, and he plays for two years, and they say, oh, you're our best receiver, but you only make or you only get 700 yards a season, and you're making $15 million a year. Bye-bye. We'll see you later. We don't have any more use for you. We'll get somebody else for cheaper. So – Uh, He was actually, I think, looking out for his best interest. And that's always one of the traps of what ESPN and the media sells you is that he might actually end up making more money with Pittsburgh if he can hit his incentives, which he probably wouldn't have hit in in Baltimore with the way that offense is designed. They also have to look to tight ends, too, because that's Lamar's favorite place to go. It fits within their offense, kind of like what we were talking about with Cam Newton and the Patriots. Similar quarterbacks. You sign up, you get the tight ends, and they work really well with them. And, and they're somewhat limited, Cam due to injury and, and Lamar due to youth and the style of play, somewhat limited passers. So you got to have the, the, the really good tight ends there. Well, folks, that is the end of our show. We thank you very much for listening. Uh, we appreciate all of you. If you could leave us a review, if you have not already, however, you're listening, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart. We're everywhere. So uh, go ahead and leave us reviews wherever you're listening. We appreciate them wherever they are. Follow along with us on Twitter at jmotbpod at mtotbpod. Marv, do you have anything else for the people? Sharing is caring, people. We appreciate each and every one of you. Keep sharing um, and we'll continue to bring up great quality stuff for you guys to listen to. We appreciate each and every one of you. And Free agency is just the tipping of the iceberg. Uh, the draft is coming up, so we'll have some analysis for you guys coming up in, in the following weeks leading up to the draft. And thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah, looking forward to the draft. We have half the picture here with free agency being more or less done. There's still some names out there. But we really have to see before we judge these teams as a whole what happens in the draft what holes that they plugged and and sometimes it'll take until midway through the season to find out if any of the players are any good so really looking forward to that but until then we'll talk to you next week later people